This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Every parent's summer school assignment. Resisting woke ideologies. Today, the Return to Order Moment focuses on education, so it will be of special interest to parents. Most parents and students spend little time in thinking about school during the summer. This is a mistake because this is the time that school boards and administrators plan the programs that they will implement in September. Most of the time, these programs will offend traditionally-minded parents and attempt to indoctrinate their children. Three examples of that indoctrination make up the body of this podcast. For decades, leftists have attempted to take over America's schools. For the most part, they have succeeded. Every public and most private and religious schools have faculties that have graduated from one of the nation's many university schools of education. These schools actually spend very little time teaching about the mechanics of putting together and teaching a lesson. They spend even less time ensuring that the budding teachers know the material that they will one day teach. They do spend a great deal of time on educational theory, all of it leftists. Unfortunately, these radical theories are not presented as such. Professors simply assert that this is the way the system works. The end result is that young teachers are ready to accept whatever progressive methods are adopted by the school system that it will eventually hire them. They do not object because they don't know any other way. In fact, they don't even know there is another way. Therefore, few New York teachers will object to any new curriculum being imposed on the students of New York City. Mr. Edwin Benson discusses this new set of standards in his essay, New York's mosaic curriculum is shrouded in mystery. The time to protest is now. The New York City public schools are developing a new universal mosaic curriculum. The program was announced in July 2021. It is scheduled to be implemented in 2023. They are burning through quite a lot of money to develop it. The New York Post reported that the budget is $202 million. According to the New York Daily News, the new establishment of Mayor Eric Adams, quote, prioritized continuing the development of a citywide curricular framework, unquote. In politicians speak, that means that work on Mosaic will continue. The head of the New York City Teachers Union, Michael Milgrew, is all for it. New York City has the largest school system in the nation, roughly 1,600 schools and over a million students. Therefore, ideas that take root in New York City tend to spread to schools nationwide. It is almost impossible for an outsider to get any substantial information about the Mosaic curriculum. It is shrouded in mystery. The official website is password-protected. The New York City school administrators undoubtedly know about the trouble California encountered when they released a draft of their Ethnic Studies curriculum. The only information on the New York City Department of Education's website consists of platitudes. Quote, The NYCDOE seeks to bring the mosaic of our students' experiences together as we develop a student-centered curriculum that reflects the depth of content standards and draws out the assets of our diverse students, which are essential to our students achieving excellence, unquote. 
However, some fascinating bits and pieces are beginning to come out in the form of its recommended reading lists. Those reading lists include books written to facilitate the indoctrination of young people into the radical and gender perspectives of the radical left. One of these books is titled Our Skin, A First Conversation About Race. Social Justice Books calls it the book we've been waiting for. Among other things, Our Skin describes the history of race. Quote, A long time ago, way before you were born, a group of white people made up an idea they called race. They sorted people by skin color and said that white people were better, smarter, prettier, and that they deserve more than everybody else. When people believe this untrue story about race, that's called racism. Racism is also the things people do and the unfair rules they make about race so that white people get more power and are treated better. Unquote. It concludes by showering accolades on protesters, specifically those of Black Lives Matter. The last bit of advice to children is that they can also be part of the protests. The New York Post spoke with Brooklyn parent leader Vito Labella. He summed up the text in one word, inflammatory. Then he continued, That page alone in my mind is just preaching hate, unquote. The specific page to which Mr. Labella referred is not specified, but there are several good candidates in this book presumably about acceptance and understanding. Laden as our skin is with woke rhetoric, it is a lightweight compared to What You Don't Know, A Story of a Liberated Childhood by Anastasia Higginbotham. Its intended audience is 10- and 11-year-olds. The main character is a prototype for the ideal leftist child. Demetrius refers to himself as queer, although the book gives few indications about how he came to that conclusion. His black father and white mother are apparently cordial, but do not live together, so Demetrius has two homes. The book spends several pages talking about how happy Demetrius is in the company of his accepting parents. He also has several queer and gay compatriots within his school, including a friend, the librarian, and his counselor. They provide him with safe spaces, designated by a rainbow flag on the door. Even so... Demetrius is troubled that some people do not accept him or his compatriots. His issues are that, quote, They make laws against us, call us evil, try to convert us, unquote. Then he muses about those who aren't as loved at home as he is. Then Demetrius' mother takes him to church. Demetrius is unimpressed. 
With a statue of the Blessed Mother and a rack of glowing candles behind him, he muses. Churches can preach all they want about love. The only thing that I feel when I'm here is shame. Unquote. While his mother kneels in prayer, he daydreams. His so-called spirit floats up to the ceiling of the church. While floating, he meets Jesus and begins a blasphemous exchange. Demetrius expresses his doubts, asking Jesus if Jesus minds that Demetrius does not believe in him. The response, quote, It's my job to believe in you, and I do. So we're cool? Always. Then Demetrius waxes theological. Are there other gods beside you? The answer is right out of the New Age handbook. Quote, Divinity is everywhere, in everyone and everything. Unquote. Demetrius asks if Jesus will punish the people who hate him. The politically correct response encourages all to love and be loved. Demetrius points to a figure resembling Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and says, Even? Yes, even the evil Republican can be loved. As church ends, a woman approached Demetrius's mother. Judgmentally, the woman chastises Demetrius's behavior and tells his mother that there is no place for him in heaven and that Demetrius should dress like a boy. Subsequently, Demetrius's mother tells his father that she is sorry the incident happened and assures them that she can find God without going to church. There is more, much more in the book's 70-plus pages. Of course, the leftists love What You Don't Know, A Story of a Liberated Childhood. The feminist publication Ms. Magazine lists it as one of 15 books for kids that prove you can be a feminist at any age. The School Library Journal emotes, Most children, gay or not, in or out, are sure to find themselves in these pages. The message that all you need is to be you will stay with readers long after the last page in a book for LGBTQIA plus collections and beyond, unquote. Parents nationwide, but especially those in New York City, should keep a close watch on the Universal Mosaic Curriculum. As implementation time draws close, the NYCDOE will need to release more information to its employees. Despite the most diligent attempts to keep it confidential, some of that information will leak. The pieces are fitting together, and the resulting mosaic starting to form is horrific. Sooner or later... The school officials must let the parents and taxpayers see the whole picture. Brooklyn parent leader Vito LaBella is right. The time to start protesting is now. Much teacher-led mischief in schools involves so-called gender identities. One of those supposed identities is drag, 
where men dress as women and then put themselves on display. Until recent years, such goings-on took place only in the seedy nightclubs on the wrong side of the tracks. However, under the auspices of the American Library Association, they have moved to public libraries and schools. One of those shows took place in rural Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Mr. Benson discusses that occasion in his essay, Hemfield High School's Drag Show Enrages Parents Protecting Their Children's Innocence. The Hempfield School District is a peculiar place to find a woke drama playing out. The district is located in Pennsylvania's Lancaster County, an Amish-dominated area better known for dairy products than social ferment. Yet a student club's appalling program has landed Hempfield High School in an explosive situation. On April 25, 2022, the school's Gay Sexuality Alliance Club held a drag show in which men, dressed as garish and provocative women, presented themselves in an overtly sexual manner. According to one report, the entire student body was invited to the after-school event by an announcement during the second period. No permission slip was needed to attend. One disgusting photo shows the four scantily clad performers. Attire for each is a costume that would be deemed lurid and inappropriate by even liberal school administrators. All four wear heavy makeup, applied in an outlandish fashion. The only real woman in the photo is Kelly Tyson, a now-suspended Hempfield High French teacher. Her clothing is in the rather shabby manner accepted among teachers in public high schools. She wears a broad smile and is comfortable in this bizarre company. According to its members, the club presented two similar shows before this one. However, the administrators feign ignorance. Apparently, they don't listen to the daily announcements. The official statement began, quote, the Hempfield School District Administration was made aware of a serious situation that took place at the high school on Monday, April 25th, after school hours. Immediately following the notification, an investigation into the incident began. Unquote. How could such an event be unknown to the administrators? It was announced to the entire student body. Even if administrators ignored the announcement, the performers had to enter the school building and go to the room where the show took place. Such an entrance is more difficult than most people think. Since the Columbine school shooting in 1999, high schools tightly control entry. The only exception is when the students enter the building at the beginning of the day. Fifteen or so minutes after the school day begins, only one door remains unlocked. School personnel watch that one door constantly. Anyone who is not a student or a member of the faculty must stop, provide identification, and get a pass to enter. Four so-called drag queens could not have entered the building without being noticed. Immediately after disclaiming responsibility, the administrators apologized, quote, First and foremost, the administration team apologizes to students, parents, and the community on behalf of those involved in this event. 
We are appalled at what took place and in no way condone this type of activity in our schools. Neither the dress of the invited guests nor the performance was appropriate in our school setting. Unquote. Then the school officials promised to get to the bottom of this outrageous act. Quote, we are taking the incident seriously in our ongoing investigation and follow-up actions, unquote. They immediately suspended, quote, an individual, unquote, presumably Kelly Tyson. At their May 10th meeting, the board announced that they suspended two unnamed others. Of course, the administrators are sworn to silence, quote, since this is a personnel issue, there will be certain information the district is unable to share with the public, unquote. The most likely explanation is also the simplest. The administration was afraid of approving or forbidding the activity, so they pretended not to know about it. The administrator's fears are understandable. Having been shorn of any actual authority years ago, they must run the school efficiently without embarrassing the district, its superintendent, or the school board. However, the fact remains that the club presented students with an indecent burlesque show, improper for both students and adults. There is no teaching value in turning the school into a brothel. Everyone must be opposed to this assault upon public morals and the corruption of minors. However, three reactions prevail in a relativistic society that is afraid to affirm a moral law. First, there are the libertarians, who express a so-called enlightened, hands-off policy. Several articles quoted Melissa Taylor, a parent who voiced this philosophy. Quote, All they are doing is hurting the kids in that club and the teacher. If your kids aren't involved in and you're not giving your permission, why are you getting involved? Unquote. Then, some defend the club, the teacher, and the show. They sympathize with the LGBT agenda and so-called diversity. One parent, Diana Allen, laid out this view to a local television station. Quote, I'm upset about the school's reaction to it. I don't think it was meant to promote sexuality. I think it's meant to promote arts and individuality and unifying a diverse community and promoting acceptance. Unquote. Daily Wire interviewed Stacy Hernandez, who presented a considerably more conservative view. Quote, our schools are overreaching and indoctrinating our children, which has created confusion and stress in the most vulnerable. It is a form of child abuse, and it's about indecency in our schools and lack of leadership. Unquote. Lancaster Online quoted Meredith Hilt, who laid the responsibility squarely at the feet of the administrators. Quote, this never should have happened. If you can't commit right now to protecting all children, I ask that you resign. Step aside, unquote. 
This situation illustrates two problems with the public schools that society has created. First, these schools operate in a modern society that has abandoned all traditional standards. In a world without right and wrong, all opinions are equal. Any vestige of Christian morality has been deliberately excised. Even the so-called secular or enlightenment values of limited freedom and respect for other people's rights have nearly vanished in today's cancel culture. The first problem causes the second. Without a guiding morality, the schools try to be all things to all people. They pretend to uphold order while tolerating disorder. Emotionalism overshadows reason and logic. Schools pay lip service to the concept of merit while promoting the idea that everyone succeeds. Teachers are expected to provide rigorous coursework that everyone, even the terminally lazy, completes successfully. The student handbook lists rules that no one intends to follow or enforce. Thus, Schools cannot succeed because they have no standard of success. In such an atmosphere, chaos thrives and indecency is promoted under the guise of tolerance. Right or wrong has nothing to do with the ultimate decision. Neither children nor societies thrive under such conditions. Fortunately, concerned parents put a stop to the shows in Lancaster. It shows that these evil displays can be successfully opposed. Parents need to be vigilant because the other side loses no opportunity to promote its nefarious agenda. Up to this point, we have looked at two specific incidents. The last part of our podcast today looks at strategy. Leftist educrats have spent a lot of time looking at their defeats in the Virginia governor's election and the San Francisco school board recall. They do not like what they see. Worse, from their perspective, are the prospects for the midterm elections in the fall of 2022. They are planning their strategies. As Mr. Benson urges in his essay, six steps radical school boards will be taking this summer and how you can defeat them. Conservative parents should chart their courses as well. As one school year closes, preparation for the next begins. During the summer, administrators often write and disseminate new curricula. Therefore, May, June, and July may well be the most critical times to watch what the school boards are doing. This is not time for summer vacation, but parental action. This year, the educational establishment wants to substitute the rightly criticized critical race theory with the more neutral-sounding anti-racism. Such a move makes sense. After all, no one wants to be painted as pro-racism. Gregory C. Hutchings, superintendent of the Alexandria, Virginia Public Schools and co-author of Getting Into Good Trouble at School, A Guide to Building an Anti-Racist School System, wrote an article in Education Week about CRT that testifies to the name change. First, Mr. Hutchings drops CRT into the memory hole. Quote, 
Most public school educators had never heard of critical race theory until political strategists seized on the term in 2020 to discredit public education. Unquote. He then labels all opposition as those dedicated to, quote, banning books, rescinding policies, and dismantling curriculum, unquote. Mr. Hutchings dedicates the body of the article to, quote, six scalable steps to escape the reactionary trap that continues to perpetuate systemic racism in our public schools, unquote. Step one. Know our history. Mr. Hutchings starts with a false assertion that the anti-racist version of history described by Ibram X. Kendi, Robin DiAngelo, and the New York Times 1619 Project is accurate. It is not. It has been refuted by many competent historians, many of them on the ideological left. The phrase assumes that previous generations of American history teachers and texts ignored the events of slavery and injustice. Again, this is false. As a cursory examination of any widely used American history textbook since 1970 will attest. Some CRT defenders will try to point to the absence of a particular event as a sign of deliberate exclusion. That tactic is misleading. Translating all of American history into a one-year course always involves leaving some specific information out. Omitting the topics of slavery, Reconstruction, and Jim Crow would be exclusion. Leaving out any single event is not. Parents opposing this agenda need to read up on the 1619 Project and its distorted version of history. Step 2. Commit to racial equity. Mr. Hutchings claims schools can solve the problems of race by committing to racial equity. This is also false. For him, the more traditional idea of equality is only the starting point. However, no school can make all students equal. The only aspect of a student's life that the school controls is what happens in the school. The schools cannot change the student's family situation, neighborhood, physical and mental handicaps, economic status, personal habits, friendships, spiritual life, dress, weekend and summer activities, and so much more. The school can, and should, ensure that its faculty and staff treat all students with the dignity and respect that they have as students and human beings. Every child should have the opportunity to receive instruction that is appropriate to that student's age, emotional state, mental development, and physical abilities. Beyond that, however, the school has no real influence. Step 3. Dismantle intraschool segregation. Intraschool segregation sounds terrible. But what is it? Mr. Hutchings vaguely mentions two examples. 
placing students in tracks according to demonstrated ability and a reluctance to enroll minority students in demanding courses. Then he places them in a time frame of the 60s and 70s. Since the mid-80s, the truth is that schools have expanded access to rigorous courses, talented and gifted programs, and so on, to ever-increasing numbers of non-white students. Some of the students that the woke refer to as BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, succeeded brilliantly. Others have not. However, the reasons do not lie with the school, but rather with the students. The best teacher in the world cannot teach a child who does not want to learn. Teachers can, and should, present the material to the best of their ability. However, the students must do their part. Parents must do their part as well. Step 4. Abolish policing practices in schools. Some school administrators use different phrases for this step. Where Mr. Hutching refers to policing practices, others decry the school-to-prison pipeline or urge restorative justice. No matter what phrase they use, the intent is the same. To hold the school responsible for students' bad and often criminal decisions in school and later in life. The supposed link between school disciplinary actions and eventual incarceration is highly suspect. The phrase, chaotic home to prison pipeline, more accurately describes what happens in real life. Children raised in unstable homes all too often end up in prison. School punishments that these children earned are not a cause of adult incarceration, simply earlier symptoms of the same disease. So-called restorative justice provides neither restoration nor justice. It places incredible pressure on the victims of classroom disorder while convincing the perpetrators that school authorities are fools for refusing to take adequate measures. Eventually, the schools become as chaotic as the homes from which many of these children came. Sometimes, restorative justice is described as successful because it decreases the number of suspensions and expulsions. However, there is no evidence that they result in troubled students improving their adult lives. Step 5. Prioritize strategic thinking and planning. Mr. Hutchins tries to appeal to reason in an emotional way. He implies that his opponents are unreasonable, emotional rather than thoughtful, and incapable of planning. Administrators and leftist media love to depict their conservative opponents as irrational. When ignored, deprecated, and pushed aside by liberal school board officials, some otherwise rational people sometimes do lose their tempers. However, most reactions are reasoned and proportional to the dangers posed to their children. The skillful opponent must always act peacefully and legally. In another sense, 
Mr. Hutchins's appeal to reason is ironic. Some authors or resources he promotes discourage rational thought as Western and racist. The Smithsonian Institute's poster statement titled Aspects and Assumptions of Whiteness and White Culture in the United States is one example. It states that one sign of whiteness is rational thinking. Indeed, there is little to nothing rational about the anti-racist movement. It appeals to the worst instincts of those it pretends to help and respect. It pretends to advocate for better schools while denying that traditional subjects have any value. It promotes racism and then decries racists. In biblical terms, its advocates try to remove the specks from their neighbors' eyes while ignoring the beams in their own. Step 6. Demonstrate courage and boldness. Again, Mr. Hutchins, deliberately or not, indulges in irony. Under the currently prevailing educational ideology, resisting the so-called anti-racist advocates takes far more courage. They will stop at nothing to ensure that opposing ideas never see the light of day. They claim a monopoly on vision, integrity, and passion. They present themselves as would-be messiahs who come to deliver children from their ancestors' influence. Woke educators espouse a systemic racism that they cannot define, explain, or prove. They proclaim that this racism exists and has always existed. Their greatest fear, though, is that they will have to prove their case. To avoid that calamity, they deem anyone who asks for proof as automatically guilty of an unforgivable social sin. Insisting that anyone who is not a racist already agrees with them implies that anyone who needs an explanation of racism must be a racist. Responsible parents and community members must defeat them. The only way to do that is to expose the errors in their thinking. This summer, parents need to do their homework by watching school boards and denouncing their woke maneuvers and name-change games. This concludes Every Parent's Summer School Assignment, Resisting Woke Ideologies. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the servers through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out the motivation behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. 
All rights are reserved. Copyright 2022 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.